0: Well, good morning, everybody. It is good to have you here with us this morning. Why don't you give us a shout out? Let us know where you are coming from, where you're watching from this morning. Maybe it's somewhere in the Wimmera, maybe it's somewhere in another state or another country. Just let us know where you are tuning in this morning. My name is Rachel and along with my husband, Andrew, we're the senior pastors here at Harvest Church. And we are thrilled that you have joined us this morning. This morning I would love you to grab your Bible if you've got your Bible. I kind of figure we're a bit out of the habit of using a Bible at the moment, but if you've got one handy, why don't you grab it this morning and I'd love you to open your Bible up to the book of 1 Kings. I want to give you a quick recap this morning of um, what's happening in this particular part of 1 Kings and then we'll we'll get into the the nitty-gritty this morning. So basically at um, this point in time, you've got Elijah who is a prophet of God and he's in Israel and he's the last remaining prophet at the time. And the people of Israel were in the middle of a spiritual crisis. Basically the king at the time, King Ahab, was a wicked man and he'd introduced the false, um, false god Baal into the Israelite camp. And so all of the Israelites had turned away from God and they were worshipping Baal. They'd turned away from you know, all of God's covenant and commandments and were worshipping the Baal. So Elijah was pretty unhappy about this, as you can imagine, and he was outspoken about it. And he got to the point where he was like, you know what, we've got to do something about this. So he spoke to King Ahab and he said to King Ahab, why don't we gather all of the people of Israel, let's gather the prophets of Baal and let's see who the real God is. So basically what happened is they had a battle off. And I'm going to kind of cut a long story short, but what happens is that in this particular moment, um, Elijah asked asked the prophets of Baal to call down their God and and see what happened. And surprisingly, nothing happened. But when he called down God, the true God, there was a fiery, spectacular thing that happened. And basically, all of the people of Israel realized that there was one true God and they began to worship God and so then what they did is they seized all of the false prophets the prophets of Baal and Elijah killed them so this is where we find ourselves today so King Ahab he goes home after a long and very interesting day and his wife Jezebel says hi Han, how was your day today and he goes well you know um, something kind of happened today this happened and this happened oh and um, 450 prophets of Baal were actually killed today And Jezebel was pretty angry about that. She found out that Elijah was the one that had caused all of this. And so she sent a message to Elijah and said, you know what, I'm after you. I'm going to get you. And so Elijah fleed for his life. He began to run and he ran away because he was scared for his life. And this is where we find him today. So we're going to read 1 Kings 19 starting at verse 11. So at this time let's just I'll just explain this to you at this time Elijah had actually run away and he was in a cave. And the Lord said, "Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by." Then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we get this opportunity to be in your house today. And Lord, we just ask you today that you just speak to us. Lord, we pray today that we eliminate distractions around us, God, and we ask you to speak to each and every one of us individually, Lord. May the words from my mouth, Lord, today be the words that you want to say, Father. And we just commit the whole of this morning to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I have to admit I have never been particularly good at resting. My mum is an incredible busy woman and I've probably got that off her. And in fact recently one day, um, it was a day off, it was our Monday and Andrew got really, really frustrated with me because I'd been busy kind of trying to get everything done for the week so that I felt like I was organised when I went back to work on Tuesday. And Andrew said to me, you know what Rachel, you just don't know how to rest. And at the time I kind of, was taken back for a moment and then I actually realised that that is true. I realised that even on my days of rest, there's so many things that I need to get done that I actually don't take time to stop. And what I've realised is that my non-stop pace actually doesn't decrease my worry, it actually exacerbates it. When I don't rest, I actually worry more. So I'd love to stand up here this morning and tell you that I've got all this together and I'm going to give you 10 points on how I rest really, really well, but I'm not quite there yet. So the title of my message this morning is Still Learning to Be Still. So I'm on a journey this morning, I'm speaking to myself as as much as I am to you. We live in a world that is full of noise. When you think about it, the beginning of our day, our day starts and ends with noise. Our alarm goes off in the morning and we start running. Imagine you're on a treadmill for a minute. We start running. The sound of the alarm is quickly overshadowed by the sound of our children. Or perhaps for some of you at home, the sound of your children is actually your alarm in the morning. Then we get up, we turn on the radio or the television because let's be honest, nobody really likes the sound of silence. Then we argue with our teenagers to get out of bed and get ready for school. The baby cries because it's hungry. The dogs whine because they're ready to be fed. The the kids argue because somebody's sitting in their seat or somebody else is chewing loudly or they just don't like Vegemite today. Anyone else think this sounds a little bit familiar? Then our phones start buzzing. The buzz of emails, the dings of texts, the flashing, well, almost flashing notifications on our phone. that go, hey, you've got a really important message for somebody from someone on Instagram or Facebook – and we get into the car, we pop on the radio again, we get into the traffic of Horsham, which is so, so busy. But anyway, we get into the traffic of Horsham, and horns beep, and there's crazy women trying to get their kids to school. Yes, I have been one of those, and I know there's a few of you out there, those crazy school mums trying to drop off their kids, tooting their horns. I know you do it. I'm not going to mention any names. Anyway, And then we get to work when we are allowed to go to work and we open up our emails and we have like hundreds of unread messages of people wanting our attention right now and right then needing everything from us. Our phone rings, our texting, and this is all before nine o'clock in the morning. Do you know why? Even when the the noise is not audible, we still hear it in our souls. The push and the pull of tasks around us, the requests from people – our own voice is telling us that we're not good enough, that things aren't going to be get better, and life is just too difficult. Our world is busy, and our no- world is noisy. And that's why I think we find Psalm 46, verse 10, one of, the hardest, well, um, one of the hardest scriptures to follow. Psalm 46, verse 10 says, He says, Be still and know that I am God. Another version says, Be still and quiet. But so often we find it really hard to be quiet. In fact, it can be a little bit scary. Quietness can be overwhelming. But in life, we're supposed to be keeping up with people, right? We're supposed to be running. We're supposed to be running faster and faster in order that we keep up with the people around us. How am I ever going to keep up with the people around me if I slow down? And if I slow down and have an intimate relationship with Jesus, how am I going to achieve everything on my list for the day that I need to get done? But one thing I know, even though I don't do it well, is that in the best and the worst times, I need to find time to be still with God so I can hear him in my midst. After all, that's what we're created for. You think about it right back in the beginning, right back in Genesis. Adam and Eve, what did they do? They spent time walking in the garden with God. We were destined and we were created to have relationship with God. So let's get back to Elijah for a moment. He finds himself on the run. He was feeling anxious. He was feeling depressed, actually to the point where he was suicidal and his life was completely out of control. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like life is so out of control? Have you ever felt like Psalm 46 verse 10 is completely unachievable? Be still and know. So how do we do this? Well I've got to be honest this morning I think this idea and this concept that I'm going to give you this morning is really really simple but the application is probably not as simple. The steps are not complicated but actually achieving them can be really complicated. So first of all we need to number one we need to stop running. Okay I'm going to tell you something really embarrassing. As a kid I don't know why I did this but I still remember it now and if mum's watching this morning you can say yes she did that and it was ridiculous but as a kid like i injured myself a lot i broke a few bones i scraped my knees a lot i was a pretty active kid but for some reason whenever i hurt myself i didn't stop where i was and cry out to mum so she could come and help me i'd like bump my knee or stub my toe and i'd start screaming and i'd start running around the house and mum would be like come back here i want to have a look let me help you fix it and i'd be like, no 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 i was in so much pain that I actually wouldn't stop to get mum or to get dad to help me. And I remember years later thinking about this and God actually reminded me and said, you know, sometimes in life that's exactly what we do. We're so hurt or we're feeling like life is so out of control that rather than run to the one person that we should be running to, we run off and do things on our own. So Elijah finally stopped running and he sat down under a broom tree. Do you know the person that understood importance more than anybody else was Jesus? In fact, this is a truth that Jesus lived by and he modelled it right throughout his ministry. After he was baptised, the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness for 40 days and then time and time again after ministering to people and pouring out himself to others, he left and spent time with God before he did that again. Mark 1.35 says, Very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Again, on the night before his crucifixion, Jesus spent time in the Garden of Gethsemane, quiet reflection and prayer. See, stopping was part of his consistent routine, and Jesus incorporated rhythms of rest in his life. And what I love is not only did he incorporate rhythms of rest in his life, but he actually taught his disciples. And he's also shown us how we should do it too. I love Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30 in the message translation. And we're going to read this together this morning. And it says, Are you tired, worn out, burnt out in religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So if stopping was part of Jesus' consistent routine, how much more do we need it to be part of our lives? If only we understood that we're able to be our best selves when we stop and we centre ourselves in a place of rest. I've been reading a book this year and I've read it a couple of times and it's called Rhythms of Renewal. And I might just even put it today on my social media because I know there'll be a bunch of women, particularly it is aimed at women, who may want to read this book. And there's a part of it that I absolutely love and I'm going to read it to you this morning. And in the book, the author says, We are restless when we rest less. Rest precedes blessing. In other words, we don't have to run to earn rest. We run fueled by a posture of rest. Let me say that bit again. We don't have to run to earn rest. We run fueled by a posture of rest. When we run fueled by a posture of rest, we are able to do so much more than when we try and strive to do things and then rest. God meant for all our work to culminate in holy, blessed rest. A rest meant to help us reconnect with Him. So firstly, this morning, we need to, one, stop running. And secondly, we need to position ourselves. We need to position ourselves to be able to hear. We need to put ourselves into a position where we can hear from God. And can I just say, I know that this is not always easy. See, Elijah encountered God only after he'd positioned himself on a mountain. And when I'm talking a mountain here, I'm not talking a tiny hill. I'm not even talking Mount Arapiles or Mount William or... I don't know, whatever other mountains we have around here. I'm talking about a really, really big mountain. You see, what happened just before the scripture we just read, um, an angel of God actually came to Elijah and he nourished Elijah. And then, it doesn't tell you exactly, but basically he said, this is a nourishment for your journey ahead. So he guided him on a journey to encounter God. And this journey took 40 days and 40 nights. Let me say that again, 40 days and 40 nights for Elijah to get to the position where God wanted him on top of the mountain. And then he went into a cave to rest. 1 Kings 19, starting at verse 9 says, Then he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I have been zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left and now they are trying to kill me too. So the Lord said, Go out and stand on a mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. See, God directed Elijah to position himself. He said, go out and stand on a mountain. He actually said, get out of your cave, go out and stand on a mountain. And I was thinking about a cave. You know, a cave is a dark place, but not only is it dark, it's also an echoey place. And I don't think it's a great place... ...for people to be able to hear clearly because when you, can, when you hear an echo it's not very clear. So God directed him to get out of the cave and onto the mountain you know I've said it so many times I've been guilty of saying it myself and I've heard other people say that it's just too hard right now to find time with God it's really hard to find a place where I can position myself with God because of the workload that I have I'm just overworked I just don't have time in my day maybe it's the season you're in you've got young children or you know you've got everybody at home right now working from home and you're homeschooling all that kind of stuff or maybe it's your emotional or mental state right now maybe you're feeling depressed or anxious whatever it is I've heard people say that it's really hard to position themselves with God but I figure if Elijah took 40 days and 40 nights to position himself where he needed to be surely we could find just a few moments in our day every day to position ourselves with God so what does positioning yourself look like Well, really, practically, it could be just developing a quiet time. For me, as a mum, and my mum modelled this, you know, my mum used to get up every single morning early and spend time in God's presence. She had a basket next to a a chair and she'd get out her books and spend time in his presence. So for me as a mum, even though I don't necessarily want to get up early, I've always made the decision that I will get up early before my house in the quiet and spend time with God. Maybe you're a night owl, maybe that's not going to work for you. Well then maybe your quiet time could be in the evening when everyone goes to bed or perhaps it could be in the middle of the day in your lunch break. Positioning yourself could be committing to a Bible plan and sticking to it. Committing to um, positioning yourself could be putting some worship music on. It could be committing to coming to church to hear God's word. It could be standing by the river and watching just the river flow by. It could be going for a walk or, like Elijah, it could be climbing a mountain. This mum here kind of went to extreme lengths to make sure that she had a little bit of time to herself. Why don't you have a look at the screen for a moment? It says if my mum, if mum's in the bathroom, you are not allowed to number one, knock unless the house is on fire or someone is bleeding and or dead. Number two, scream questions at me if the shower is running, hot chip, I can't hear you. Number three, wait for me within inches of the door and yell at me when you get slammed in the face like that's my fault. Or number four, slip me notes of any kind, especially the ones with those check boxes. Ask yourself this question before knocking. Can I survive the next two minutes without mum? Don't you love that? We need to position ourselves. Positioning yourself could be going into a room and shutting the door just for a few minutes. I know what you're thinking. You're going, this is so much easier said than done. And that's true. Stopping is not easy and positioning ourselves is not easy. In fact, we have to fight the entire culture that we're in right now for that the culture where running and being busier and busier almost makes us more important because noises and distractions are endless. So thirdly, we need to eliminate distractions. 1 Kings 19:11. and I'm reading this a few times this morning, but there's different bits I want you to get out at, at different times. And it says, The Lord said, Go and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. This is a bit I want you to take note of now. Then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountain and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire came a gentle whisper. Here's the key thing I really want you to notice in the second part of this verse. Do you know God did not appear to Elijah in the ways he'd shown up in the past? Elijah had seen many, many miracles in his time, even just prior, as you know, just 40 days before, he'd seen God come down and consume an offering. So Elijah was familiar with big, dynamic displays of God. He'd seen them so many times. But notice this. God was not in the noisy wind as he had been, and he'd probably read about with Job. God was not in the earthquake as when he gave the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. God was not in the fire like the burning bush that Moses had seen or the dynamic display that Elijah had just seen so recently. God revealed himself in a gentle whisper, which can also be translated as a sound of sheer silence. I want you to ask yourself today, what are the noises around me preventing me from hearing from God? If you've ever tried speaking to somebody over the sound of a television or a radio, you know how frustrating that can be. And you know what? God will speak to us in that noise. But we can hear him so much more in the stillness and the quiet. Let me ask you this morning, what is so loud in your life that I'm missing out on what God wants to whisper to me? Perhaps it's your mobile phone. I've got to be honest, I found recently I've had my mobile phone in my hand a whole lot more than I've really, really wanted to. Challenge for you this morning, are our Facebook friends taking priority over our time with God? good question. Perhaps it's a noise in our house. You know it's just been really difficult for a lot of people lately and I totally get it and we've been in the same position having everybody at home all the time working from home. Husbands and wives with young children, can I encourage you, maybe after today, have a conversation and go, you know what, we need to prioritise our time with God. So help each other to find even a few minutes in the day to have that time on your own, even if it's going out and sitting in the the car just for a few minutes so you get those few moments of quiet. What is so loud in your life that's stopping you from hearing God? Maybe it's overcommitment. Maybe you've overcommitted to so many things. Maybe you're doing so many things for other people that you don't actually get that time with God. Maybe it's even the fear of being alone in your thoughts when you are actually quiet and when you take that time out to be quiet with God. Maybe there's guilt because you're sitting there going, you know what, there's other things I should be doing right now. There's things I've got to get done. Maybe in your thoughts you're thinking of the failures of your past or the wounds and the longings of life. So what do you need to eliminate today in order for God to speak to you? Firstly, we've got to stop running. Secondly, we need to position ourselves. Thirdly, we need to eliminate the noise around. And finally, this morning, we need to listen. Do you know, once the noise was gone, Elijah heard the still small voice or the gentle whisper. What if today... We started our day by quieting our hearts and hearing from Jesus. What if we finished our day today by quieting our hearts to Jesus? Do you know there's nothing that God wants more than to ask for us to dwell in his presence. James 4 verse 5 says, The spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. God desires for us to be in his, our, in his presence. He yearns jealously for us to come and sit with him and commune with him. Recently, I've been reading a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Peter Scazzaro. Brilliant, brilliant book. Totally recommend it. But what it encourages you to do is to spend at least two minutes twice a day um, just being silent and still with God. And that sounds like two minutes doesn't sound like a whole lot. But let me tell you, two minutes is a whole lot when all you're doing is being silent before God. I'm not talking about praying to God. I'm not talking about saying, God, you're amazing, you're awesome. I'm not talking about requesting the things that you need, asking God for things. I'm not even talking about having these beautiful, eloquent words to God. I'm talking about two minutes in silence. And it can be quite scary and it can be a little bit awkward, a bit like that first date that maybe you went on once where that awkward silence is almost deafening. But one thing I've discovered is that, Just like a first date, when you go on the second date or the third date or the fourth date, the more that you get to know somebody, the less awkward that silence is. Can I tell you that this has been a challenge for me and some days I feel like the noise around, even my thoughts, really, really disrupt me from spending that time with God. But I'm taking that time out every day and I'm increasing that time every day. And the more I do it, the easier it becomes. And the more I do it, the more I feel the Holy Spirit prompting me for things. So 1 Kings 19 verse 12 says, After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. You know, in the silence and in the chaos uh, for Elijah, it was full of the presence of God. Let me say that again. The silence in the chaos for Elijah was full of the presence of God. And I love that after Elijah stepped forward, he actually had a new beginning. After he spent time with God up on the mountain, he had a renewed sense of purpose. He mentored a young man named Elisha and together God used them to change the world. He had a new view, a new perspective on his life. And I believe that we can do the same thing. I believe that when we have an encounter with God, we are also able to gain a new sense of purpose for our life. God wants to meet you in the quiet. God wants to speak to you in the quiet. God wants to encourage you and strengthen you in the quiet. He wants to pick you up like Elijah out of your anxiety and depression and give you a new hope. But in order to do that, we need to be still. Let's pray. Lord, you know how difficult it can be for us to be silent before you. And at times it seems almost impossible, Lord, given the demands and the distractions that we have in life to spend time in your quiet silence. But God, we invite you today, Lord, to be with us. Lord, we ask you this morning to, God, we want to hear your still, small voice. Father, we ask that whatever distractions are stopping us from being able to spend time with you, Holy Spirit. We just ask today that you will speak to us, God, that you would challenge us, Lord. Because we want to have a renewed hope, Lord. We want to have a renewed purpose, God. So we just ask that you speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I encourage you this week? Maybe listen to this message again. Maybe think about one thing in your life that is stopping you from spending that time with God that you need to, and just change it this week. Give it a go this week, and let me know how it went. You know, I just want to take one more moment this morning to to pray with people, and I don't know everybody that's tuning in today, and I don't know if you even have a relationship with God. I've been talking about spending time with God, and you know, communing with Him. Maybe you've heard about God, maybe you've read about God, maybe you went to Sunday school, but you can honestly tell me this morning that you do not have a relationship with God where you can be in His presence and you can speak with Him and talk with Him. Well, this morning, if you don't have that relationship... What I'd love you to do is contact one of us. You can put up your hand in the chat. You can message us because we would love to pray with you. We would love to be able to encourage you if you would love to have a relationship with Jesus. And let me tell tell you, it is the best thing you will ever do. We would love to help you with that. So why don't you put that in the chat and we would love to pray with you. In fact, let's quickly pray. Lord, we just thank you for all that you have done, Lord. We just thank you that you are the God of the universe, that you created us, Father. And we just ask you today to come into our lives. We are sorry, Lord, for the things that we have done wrong. And we just ask you to come and be part of our lives, part of coming to our heart, Lord. And we want to know you, God. We want a relationship with you. And we thank you that today is a new beginning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you, everybody, for being here today. We love you. Have a blessed day.